ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Um, you know, I just felt like my mom was watching over me today and, um, you know, she can't be here and uh, miss you, mom. And Every now and again, we're throwing up a story that reminds you sport has an amazing capacity for fairy tales. We've got to be honest, we'd never heard of Wyndham Clark before the weekend, but we certainly know him now. Amidst the biggest stars in golf, it was a 29-year-old from Denver, Colorado, who shone like gold. Yeah, it might be cheesy, but the story could have been about redemption for Ricky Fowler or Rory McIlroy. But it was Clark, inspired by the memory of his mother, who scored an enormous win that hit us right in the heart. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Jimmy Emanuel is the deputy editor of Golf Australia. Jimmy, if I asked you to give me the Wyndham Clark story last week, what would you have told me? Because honestly, I didn't know much about him. Uh, exceptionally talented and probably underdelivered a little bit at this stage in his career with just one PGA Tour win a couple of weeks ago. But uh, that's all changed very much this morning, I suppose. It certainly has. It's been a dramatic final day of the US Open. When did we get a sense that Wyndham Clark, a guy who sounds like, you know, an off Broadway accounting firm was going to be a factor at this tournament. Well, he's got a perfect PGA Tour player name. Those are the ones we sort of joke about here. The American PGA Tour players sound like that. But look, he was in it from the start. You've got Clark here. He had 64 the opening day. For birdie. So he's only a couple back of the lead. Another one. Oh, wow. Wyndham Clark with an exclamation point to finish things off. And he hung in there tough all all through the middle part of the event and then started the final round tied for the lead. Uh, You could expect a guy trying to win his first major playing just his seventh major championship as well. Might feel the pressure, but he was into it right in the start. Ricky Fowler gave him a bit of a bit of a head start as well by making a couple of early bogeys. And then Clark just held strong all day. I mean, he was really, really impressive. Even when he had some struggles, he bounced back. This looks like a terrible lie. Hacked at it. The short game can bail him out again. Yeah, that's nice. And didn't make the big mistake everyone thought was coming. I think the beautiful thing about golf is the fact that lesser lights, like a Wyndham Clark, can have their moment, but it also must create a sense of intense pressure because in that moment, you know, you've got the lead, there's some huge names around you, who knows when you might get this chance again. How do you think he sort of coped with that tension in the final round today? I'd say that was probably the most impressive part. He seemed to just be going about his business and, and welcoming the pressure, I suppose. You know, he had... Some of the biggest names in the game in Roy McElroy trying to chase him down and Scotty Scheffler as well, both in the group in front, so he could see what they were doing. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's nice being the underdog. It was it was great walking by, hearing a lot of people chant for Ricky's name because it just kind of fueled the fire underneath me that I, that I could do it. They didn't really make the big push, making plenty of birdies that would have really thrown the pressure at him, but he was just going about his game. He didn't look overawed by it at all. He looked like he thought he belonged there, which he proved he did. I feel like I belong on this stage, and I, you know, even two, three years ago when people didn't know who I was, I felt like I could still still play and compete against the best players in the world. It was really impressive how he just played his game focused on what he was doing rather than what everyone else was doing and and every time he did make a little mistake he he bounced back from it really well that is some save and you can see what it meant to clark fist pump there as he makes the turn still with the lead 
at the United States Open Championship. Which is, you know, the sign of a guy who's handling that pressure of, of major championship golf very well. He's been open about the impact of his mum on this outcome. What's the backstory there and how has she helped inspire this run? Yeah, so he went off to college golf as a one of the most sort of highly touted high school golfers in America and he went to Oklahoma State actually where Ricky Fowler played his golf uh, and it was when he got there and he was sort of struggling to get on the team that he found out his mother was sick and went home and came back and his mother passed away early in that college period and she was the person who first took him to play golf and, and first got him really into it and was his big supporter. She, she would just, she always, she called me winner when I was little. And so she would just say, I love you, Winner. And and so that's really sort of inspired a lot of his drive. When it initially happened, he became a very angry guy on the golf course. I, I didn't show any emotion off the course, but when I was on the golf course, I couldn't have been angrier. I was breaking clubs when I didn't even hit that bad of shot. I was walking off golf courses. Uh, and it's taken him a long time to to work out how to harness that sort of emotion into into something. And it was clearly a big thing for him and his family. His brother and sister were there today and there was plenty of tears after that final putt went in. And he spoke about how much she meant to him, but also how much she sort of spurred on his mindset. You know, obviously she had that mantra of play big. That was his kind of mindset all, all week when probably people didn't think he belonged there, but he certainly did. You talk about mindset and, I guess, support network. And the other person who seems to have been central to his success is his caddy slash coach. What can you tell us about John Ellis and his yeah. impact? Yeah, so John Ellis was a, a good player himself. He he was a very good player up in Canada uh, and played a couple of US Opens. Really good player and, and, like so many of the caddies on tour, turned to caddying when it didn't quite work out for his own, own game. Uh, he's been working for... Wyndham Clark for quite a period now. John's been kind of my rock out here. He's a great caddy and he's had opportunities to caddy for other people and he turned it down because he wanted to be there for me. And, you know, I, I owe a lot to him. But he kind of works as a bit of a sort of a quasi-coach. Clark decided a little while ago to go at his own with his golf swing. It's always been very technically good. So he works on it himself with John Ellis, sort of keeping an eye on the fundamentals, I suppose, is the main things he does. He looks at his alignments and, and just a little bit of swing path stuff just to keep him on track and give him another set of eyes. But, you know, he was really important to him all week. You know, you could hear him with everything when they got the, the microphones up close about how involved he was. Force kind of irrelevant. We want to probably pitch it on 10 to 12. If we kind of got up there a little bit, great, but we don't really want it back there, right? No, I mean, I really like the... The 10 on. 10 on. Finish a 10 on. 190-yard shot. So he's obviously a big part of his success, given he doesn't have a sort of a traditional coach, and that's his main support network, which is obviously working very well for him. So Clark, a 29-year-old, largely unheralded golfer, now breaks through with a major victory over huge names like Fowler, Rory McIlroy down the stretch. Is there a sense that this is the start of bigger things for him, or are we looking at a sort of a one-hit wonder here? What do you think? It's very hard to pick with these guys. I mean, there's every time we play a major championship, there's 150-odd guys in the field. So any one of them can realistically win. There's been a lot of people to win one major and not win more, and including our own Adam Scott and Jason Day, who were world number one. So a very different position to this. But look, Clark's always had a very impressive game, very impressive golf swing. The way he stood up to the pressure today suggests there's something more there than just a flash in a pan. And he did win on tour at, a, at one of the best fields uh, at Quail Hollow that we've seen for a while on a regular PGA Tour event as well. So for someone like this, it could be the confidence kick that sends him up to being a regular contender. 
you know, whether or not he wins more majors, that's a kind of an impossible guess at this point. But the way he played this week uh, and lent on his strengths and he's got a good game all the way through the bag as well, it'd be hard to suggest that he won't have more success at big events. This was a unique golf course for US Open. So whether or not he, he has more success at US Opens would be, you know, that's a bit of a mystery at this point. But you could see him contending at places like, you know, Augusta National and Open Championships in the future with the game that he's got. If Clark's the feel-good story, it was a tale of pain for McElroy, you know, another near miss. How do you think Rory McElroy will be faring with the frustration of, again, being so close but just missing out? And do you think that there's a sense that being at the centre of golf's big civil war has impacted him? He has been impacted by how involved he's been in what's been happening in, in men's professional golf. That role has certainly eased a little bit with the announcement recently about the merger that's that's going to happen, apparently. So he looks like he's taken a step back from that, and that looks to have relieved him a little bit. He was exceptionally close, but just didn't have his best stuff on, on Sunday. Not doing a lot wrong, but, you know, I didn't make a birdie since the first hole today, so... Uh, he made a couple of very simple errors, and the putter was really cold. The longest putt Rory's made today is four and a half feet. This looks close to 10, Zing. Just hangs out on the right side. So the frustration levels are high. You know, his press conference after the round was... There was clear frustration, but it was not you know, frustration at not understanding. He knew what had happened in his game. He understood how well Clark had played. And he said, interestingly, when, when someone spoke about, you know, are you getting sick and tired of doing these post-round press conferences and not winning? And he said... I would go through a 100 Sundays like this to get my hands on another major championship. Look, he, he's obviously got some perspective there as well. I think his game is looking better and better, but there's parts to it that just aren't quite there to really dominate at the highest level. But, you know, they go for the next major championship to Royal Liverpool, where he won the Open Championship back in 2014 from memory. And that'll be good vibes that help him. And he knows his game's in a good spot and he'll already be looking at that. He would have been thinking about that the moment he knew he wasn't going to win this week. So there's surely some frustration there, but you don't win every time when you play golf, even if you're the best player ever. So he knows that comes with it and and he'll be in a a good spot golf-wise, I think, moving forward. As they head towards the British Open, the other big storyline is Cam Smith. From an Australian perspective today, you know, Cam Smith, Minwoo Lee, both decent on the last day. How did it leave them ahead of that final major of the year? Yeah, it was it was really good golf from both, particularly Cam. Cam closed really strongly on the back nine on Sunday. 15, Cam Smith. So he made the wild par at 14, and then he bends this home for birdie. At the little par three. And ended up in a share of fourth, and Minwoo was one back at a share of fifth, which was really good golf from both of them. They kind of missed their chance to really contend with their third rounds, where both had a few struggles, particularly Minwoo. Um, but they came out and played really, really well on the final day to give themselves a good result, a good little uh, handy check going into the, in the back pocket as well, but then also set up the next big event being the Open Championship. So I think Smith was particularly the one to come out of that as you know a good sign, given he's the defending champion at Royal Liverpool. Uh, he spoke about how his game's really coming along, that he needed a bit of confidence and this will help. He thinks he's playing better than he was last year, so he's just got to put it all together. 
And Min Wu is, you know, just continues to impress. He's only a young guy. He's only getting started in his career, particularly in the majors. And he just keeps showing up. He loves the limelight. He loves the attention of bigger crowds and more eyeballs. And it certainly proved to be true this week. And his game was better in parts where he struggled a little bit. His approach play has been a bit average this year. And he was a lot better this week. So really good signs for those two heading to the Open Championship. But not so much for the other Aussies. We only had those two make the cut. There was five who missed it. So hopefully they can find something between now and the middle of of July. Jimmy Emanuel, thanks so much for breaking it all down for us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Headlines. The first Ashes test is on a knife edge, with England holding a slender 33-run lead with two days to play and eight wickets in hand. You know that Ben Stokes and co. will not be playing for a draw. The big story from day three centred around English bowler Ollie Robinson, who gave Usman Khawaja a foul-mouthed send-off after the left-hander was out for 141, which is a weird time for a send-off, to be honest. Robinson had this to say about the incident. Um, don't really care it's how it's perceived, to be honest. I think it's, it's the Ashes, it's a professional sport. If you can't handle that, what can you handle? Is this the same team who is all good vibes and making memories in the name of basball saving test cricket? Yes, but clearly you shouldn't mistake good vibes for a lack of edge. You can catch every ball live and free on the ABC Listen app. Did you see Tim Zhu's amazing win over Carlos Acampo? You'd be forgiven for missing it because the Aussie knocked out his highly rated opponent in 77 seconds. Undisputed champion Jamel Charlo is next up in a huge bout in October in Las Vegas. Victory there will have some asking if Zhu's even better than his dad Kostya. Danelle Wallam has been left out of the Diamond Squad for the World Cup despite being the highest scoring Australian shooter in Super Netball this season. She is still a reserve player for the broader squad and will travel to South Africa. Magpie Sophie Garbin edged out the Firebirds gun in the 12-person group. Fellow Collingwood player Ash Brazel has also gained selection in what looms as the 33-year-old's final chance to represent Australia, given her imminent retirement. Speaking of selection, some big names are missing from the Aussie swim squad for the world champs. Mac Horton and Cody Simpson have both failed to earn a ticket to Japan. Lani Pallister and Kai Taylor, both children of swimming champions, made it into the squad. It will be an important meet as the Dolphins look ahead to the Paris Olympics in 2024. And St George Illawarra has rejected a request from their halfback slash hooker Ben Hunt for an early release. The Queenslander still has two years to run on his contract. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Fox Sports for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.